0: Well, good morning and welcome to First Assembly of God. We are in week three of a message series called Stay Positive. If you're joining us online, we welcome you as well. And we also realize that there are many, many families on vacation this week. So if you're tuning in at your vacation spot, welcome as well. And I trust that you're having an enjoyable, relaxing time at your vacation spot. And for those who haven't gone yet, I trust that you have a relaxing, enjoyable time as well. Stay positive. Why? Because a negative outlook never leads to a positive life. Isn't that true? We need to stay positive in a world that is so negative. Well, two weeks ago, we took a look at optimism that in the adversities of life, we took a look at the Israelites when they were facing the Red Sea. How do you stay optimistic? you got to remember and recognize that God has a purpose for all of you. Did you know that? God has a purpose for your life. And you have to hold on. You have to retain God's perspectives and rely on His promises. Last week we talked about gratitude. Giving thanks is the cure for complaining. And we're we're, we're, we're great at complaining. And how do you overcome complaining? By giving thanks. And we took a look at how gratitude is the gateway to peace. So week three, we're going to talk about confidence. Confidence is defined as the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone Or something it's firm trust we have the belief that God can do all things all things are possible with him and because that is a belief therefore we have firm trust we have confidence in the one who is all-powerful almighty who can do all things so as I was thinking about this word confidence, well, this week I took a trip down memory, memory lane. And some of you are like, oh, no, here we go. When I was a sophomore in high school, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And believe it or not, Christian music made a tremendous impact upon my teenage years. Such groups as Second Chapter of Acts. That that was my favorite man, Annie Herring. Man, does buddy, it doesn't get much better than that. Matt Ward, I mean, Second Chapter of Acts, and and I might have you come on Keith Green, yeah. Keith Green. There you go. So we have some Keith Green fans out there. I'll give you some Chuck Gerard. Petra, oh man, Petra. I wasn't a big Petra fan, but uh, if you're a hard rocker, God bless you. You're, you're a metalhead uh, buddy there. <laughs> Chuck Gerrard, um, people like Honey Tree, Dallas Holmes. And, and some of you may not even know this, but B.J. Thomas went from raindrops keep sing- falling on my head to what a difference you made in my life as he made a, a profession of faith. But then there was Andre Crouch. And I remember when I was 17, I had a 1971 Ford Torino with a red vinyl top. Whatever happened to vinyl tops? White, red vinyl top, red interior. As soon as I got that car, I installed an 8-track in it. And I remember riding around in the summer with the windows down playing Andre Crouch.
1: How many remember this song?
0: How many don't have an idea of who Andre Crouch is? (laughs) Oh, man. No matter what the case may be. be, No matter what the case may be, as children of God, we got confidence that God will see us through. Well, in Scripture, there are four times Jesus uttered these words to his disciples. Are you ready? Oh, you of little faith. Wow. Oh, you of little faith. Now, in the original Greek, the word that's translated little faith, literally in the original has the meaning lacking confidence. Lacking confidence. So there are four times that we know of where Jesus was in dismay that his disciples lacked confidence in him. And what I want to do is, well, I want to take you through those four places where Jesus utters these words. In dismay, that is, disciples had a, a lack of confidence. Well, the first one is found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. And to understand, you, to, to understand the context of what Jesus is saying, you, you have to go back to verse 25. So uh, let me take it back to verse 25. Jesus says to his disciples, Sermon on the Mount, other people were there as well. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. <laughs> so easily said, isn't it? Don't, don't worry about your life. What you eat or what you drink or about your body, what it will wear? Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much not more valuable than they? And who of you can, by worrying at a single hour, To his life. And why do you worry about your clothes? See the lilies of the field? They grow. Yet do they not labor or spin? Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow it's thrown into fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Jesus is teaching that to experience anxiety over material needs is unscriptural. To experience anxiety over material needs, it's not scriptural. It may be natural, but Jesus is saying here, it really denotes a lack of trust, a lack of confidence a lack of faith in me. So the question is, how can my confidence in Christ in this area of my life increase? How can I increase my confidence that I don't have to worry about material needs in my life? Well, what did Jesus tell the disciples? He told them to look at the birds and the flowers of the field. You know that old saying, we need to stop along the way and smell the roses? We need to stop and take time to smell the roses. Now that may not be in the Bible, but it is scriptural. Did you know that? It's based upon a scriptural uh, principle that we need to take time to look out at God's creation. And if he took care of the birds and the flowers... Surely, he'll take care of you and me. Birds and flowers, they don't have money, but they're taken care of. And you know what I I think of sometimes is that material possessions can give us an illusion of security. If you ever go to a third world country where literally they have nothing, but yet, They have a faith and a dependency and a trust upon God. I can't tell you how many times I've been so moved in third world countries that an hour before the service starts, people will be at the altar for an hour praying. We come in, socialize, sit down. What do we need? We got everything we need. And sometimes material possessions can be a hindrance in our confidence with God. Because it gives a false sense of security. And it's not our lack of material possessions, but our lack of confidence in Christ that is our problem. Hey, let me ask plain and simple. (laughs) When you have a headache, do you go to the medicine cabinet first or do you go to God? There are places in the world they don't have a medicine cabinet. They have to go to God. And before you know it, in these verses 25 through verse 34, in those 10 verses, Jesus says, do not worry three times. And as I said last week, the the word worry means to be pulled apart, to be drawn in different directions. And before you know it, we find ourselves like the lion in the circus. He's like, a lion in a circus? I found this so interesting. I, I was reading this, this whole article on worry, and they alluded to this illustration. And actually, I backed it up by, by doing a Google search. But a lion tamer, when he gets in a cage with a lion, will take a stool, and he'll hold it in front of the lion. You, I remember going to the circuses and seeing that. And you, you're like, you know, what, is that just a gimmick? But the thought process behind it is it's to distract the lion and it confuses him and almost immobilizes him because he doesn't know which leg to attack first. It distracts his attention. And when you think about it, like a lion with a stool in its face, doesn't that isn't that what worry does to us? It pulls us in so many, it draws us in so many, distra- in, in so many different areas and, and directions. It pulls us apart that it, it makes us inoperable. It paralyzes us. We don't know which one to aim at first. Should I worry about my kids? Should I worry about my finances? Should I worry about my health? Should I worry about the future? Should I worry about my travels? Should I worry, you know, should I worry about the church? Should I worry about this one? Should I worry about that? And before you know it, we are so distracted and overwhelmed with worry that we become immobilized, ineffective. And I believe it's one of Satan's, our adversary's, greatest tools. Because it's not a matter of getting us so wicked. It's just a matter of getting us to be so much worry warts that we worry about everything that we lose our confidence and trust in him. So what's the cure? For me, to sit at the beach and overlook the sea. And I'm telling you, I can sit there for hours. And my mind can go bonkers. Because all I'm seeing is just a little small portion. But it's so vast. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And, and that's just the Atlantic Ocean. Then you add in the Pacific Ocean, and then you get the Indian Ocean, and then you get the Arctic Ocean, and you realize how vast this world is, and that underneath the water is another world of its own. Or at night, you look up at the stars. And you can't help but think that the one who created sustains and keeps this universe all in order. And if he created and he sustained this whole vast universe. And keeps it in order. Can't he take care of me? Well the next time he says oh you of little faith. Is found in Matthew chapter 8 verse 26. And it's among Amidst a storm, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? And Jesus got up from the boat where he was sleeping and rebuked the winds and the waves and all of a sudden it was just completely calm. Now the Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles long and about 8 miles wide at the longest part. And it really sits down in a, a valley where it's not uncommon common for violent storms to just arise uh, on, on this small little body of water. And, and the disciples were just, were just frightened. Jesus is totally asleep. And if you remember, some of these disciples were fishermen. They're used to the water. And if they were frightened, it must have been one fierce storm where they became afraid. Now, the storm came not because the disciples were rebellious. They weren't a bunch of Jonas. Actually, they were in the boat because Jesus. they were following Jesus. Jesus got in the boat, and they followed Jesus. Now, let me just say that there are some teachings today, and some people believe that as a believer... If you have enough faith, you won't get into trouble. You know, well, you need to have more faith. You need to have more faith. If you only had more faith, let me say this, baloney. Because there are people who follow Jesus who get in trouble. The early church, followers of Jesus, weren't they persecuted? And aren't Christians being persecuted today for their faith in Jesus Christ? And Jesus, who knows all things, knew that a storm was coming. But he gets in the boat anyway, falls asleep. Could it be that Jesus had a lesson that his disciples needed to learn? Maybe they weren't as far in their walk. They needed to be. Well, it certainly proves in their response In Mark's account, they wake Jesus up and say, Don't you care if we drowned? Don't you care? Come on, how many times have we uttered those very words to God? Don't you care? Of course he cares. He had a lesson for them to learn. When Jesus, when God seems to be sleeping and seems to be sleeping, because Scripture tells us God never slumbers nor sleeps. So don't ever think God is sleeping when he's inactive in doing something for you. But when he's inactive and seems like he's not doing anything, usually he's most active watching over you. So how can we increase our confidence? In Christ in these situations first and foremost refuse to listen to the weather forecast of the flesh when you're in a storm don't listen to the weather forecast of the flesh what if what if 90 percent 85 percent and we usually what happens is we make the storm a lot worse by our thoughts because usually we feel how we think and how do we think through the adversities of life we worry we panic we get a little anxious we get a little fearful and before you know it the little storm has now become a major storm and we're upset because God's not doing anything he's asleep don't you care? Well, what I've realized in the adversities and the storms of life, if God doesn't seem to be doing anything, well, maybe there's a reason and maybe there's a lesson I need to learn in going through the storm. D.L. Moody was traveling on Lake Michigan in the midst a fierce storm in a boat going to Chicago. And the crew ships, the mates, were running all around frantically trying to make sure the ship didn't capsize. D.L. Moody was on the deck singing hymns to God. Singing hymns. One of the shipmates came and says, aren't you frightened? Aren't you upset? Don't you care that that we may drown? D.L. Moody, and and you have to understand who, D.L. Moody was a rough guy. Dale Modi responds this way. He says, I have a sister in Chicago and a sister in heaven. And honestly, I don't really care who I see first. (laughs) Hey, listen. If the storm in life becomes so fierce, so ferocious don't we have a better a better life to come don't we have a better resurrection to look forward to well apparently one storm wasn't enough to develop and construct the faith of the disciples because the third time Jesus says oh you of little faith it takes place amongst another storm the disciples are out and, and they are straining at the oars. Jesus is not with them this time. The disciples are in a boat, and the storm is upon them. And they're straining at the oars. And all of a sudden, they look out, and they're frightened because they think they see a ghost. But then they realize it's Jesus. And as he got closer, come on, impetuous Peter... Hey, let me come out and join you. Go ahead. And amidst the wind and the waves, amidst, remember that, amidst the wind and the waves, Peter, who has total trust and confidence in Jesus at this point, steps out of the boat and he starts walking on water as he keeps his eyes on Jesus. But for those who know the story, as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus, He started to sink. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Come on. Aren't you glad for the times when you were sinking, Jesus reached out his hand to you? You of little faith, he says, why did you doubt? Now I'm going to put a little different spin on this historical account, this classic account that says so much. But sometimes, success in life can be just like a failure. How can a success be like a failure? Come on, like Peter, if you had walking on water experience, if God gave you the ability to walk on water... What are you going to do? Look at me. Or for those who weren't with you, you'd come into church that following Sunday. You'll never believe what happened to me. What? I walked on water. What am I saying? Because the successes in life have a way to lessen our confidence in God. Because it's look what we accomplished. Look what I did. And sometimes the successes in life we can attribute to our own ability and not God's ability. Remember the whole rebuke? Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Well, pastor, he doubted because the winds and the waves. He, he, the winds and the waves, he took his eyes off Jesus and the winds and the waves. But I would say yes, but I would also argue those winds and waves were there when he first stepped out of the boat. And I have a feeling that once he got out there, He started feeling a little good about his self-confidence. Self-confidence can never replace God-confidence. And I've seen it so many times. People who would rely on God become successful. And they thought that they brought on their success when God was the one who did. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then the last one is found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 8. And I call this, sometimes we emphasize the physical over the spiritual. And God wants us to emphasize the spiritual over the physical. Aware of their discussion. Jesus was aware of the discussions the disciples had. Jesus said, you of little faith. Why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Well, you have to understand the context. They were in the lake. They were were getting in a boat. They were in a lake, and and they get to the other side, and the disciples forgot to bring the lunch. They forgot to bring the bread. They get over to the other side, and a couple verses before this, Jesus says, Hey, be careful. Be on guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And when Jesus used the word yeast, they were thinking, okay, yeast is a subject, is, a, is, an, is an ingredient in bread. So he's probably upset that we didn't bring bread. We forgot the lunch, and he's mad at us. So Jesus is totally solely speaking on a spiritual level. You know, watch out for the teaching and the attitudes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Watch out for the sin. And yeast to them was physical. He's upset because we forgot to bring lunch. And they were talking among themselves. And he says, oh, you of little faith. And and he gets, you can almost see the frustration in Jesus. He says, didn't we take five loaves and feed over 5,000? And the chapter before, didn't we take seven loaves and feed 4,000? And how many baskets did we have left over? Guys, it's not about the bread. They were thinking purely physical. Jesus was thinking spiritual. And in fact, Matthew chapter 16 becomes a very pivotal chapter in the life of Jesus. Because just ten verses later... Jesus talks about the church. He uses the word church for the first time. And a few verses later, he talks about his death on the cross and his resurrection. And what he's pointing to the fact is, guys, I'm not always going to be here. And if you're only thinking about the physical and not the spiritual, I'm not going to be here. I'm going... And I'm going to leave you, the church. I'm going to put the church in the hands of leaders who need a spiritual compass. So guys, you got to get this. We must begin to think more spiritually about every phase of our life. You see, what happens is we're great at compartmentalizing our life. We do this all the time. We have our life at work. We have our life at home, we have our social life, we have our entertainment life, and then we have our church life. And we compartmentalize our lives. And when we're in church, we think spiritually. When we're at work, we're thinking materialistically. But Jesus is in every compartment Everything is spiritual to him. And the more we can think spiritually in every phrase of our lives, the more confidence we will have in him and less in ourselves. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. So I close with this this morning. If you heard Jesus utter these words to you, oh you of little faith. Oh you of little faith. Would it concern the material matters in your life? Oh you of little faith. Would it concern the storms and the adversities of your life? Oh, you of little faith, would it concern how you have more self-confidence than Christ's confidence in your life and the successes in your life you, you take because of your own abilities instead of the abilities God's given you? Or if you heard Jesus utter these words, oh, you of little faith, would it be because you, you think more physically than spiritually? Spiritually. O, oh, you of little faith. What's your biggest worry? What's your biggest complaint? What's your biggest care of anxiety? And how we develop more confidence is by taking every compartment of our lives and making them spiritual. Making them spiritual. Going to work is a spiritual experience. Living in the home with your kids and your spouse, it's a spiritual experience. Your entertainment world should be a spiritual experience. Everything becomes spiritual. And our confidence is found in Him. Would you bow your heads?